I am here with a only minorly hidden agenda tonight, um, and you know me, I'll just blurt it out anyway, so we might start there. I had this crazy idea of doing a series based on the parts of Ernest Holmes they didn't want you to hear about. And so I, I took, well, it's true, it can happen. So I took the original 1926 textbook. I don't know if it's available in your bookstore or not, because it is, after all, forbidden. But, uh, but of course, you can get it on the internet, they, and they probably have it in the bookstore here, so I'm just kidding about that. Uh, but then when they revised it in 1938, whole sections redacted. Whole sections were deemed not appropriate for, for what? Family consumption? I don't know. I had a hard time figuring it out. And among the pieces that were cut from it, I actually think are some pretty miraculous and useful pieces. And so th those are the pieces. I'm not bringing you just the junk, <laughs> of course. Uh, so I'm bringing you some of the pieces that were removed that I think are really important. As an example, tonight we're going to be talking about imagination and the idea of visualization. And the original 1926 textbook had chapters for both of those completely illuminated in the later version of it. Now you might say, well, that's interesting, but how does imagination really go with spirituality anyway? Maybe they edited it out because it doesn't really belong. Do you know what I mean? Let me read this, though, because I think it answers a question that I found kind of stunning. It answers the question of why diets don't work. It answers the question why sometimes I work so hard at something to no avail whatsoever. Listen to this. Will, meaning my, my self-will or my willpower, will is an assumption pure and simple. The use of will could not make up anything that we are not for it could not be possible to put out of a bag anything the bag that is not already contained. Now the use of life, on the other hand, is through our imagination, because this facility has, at its roots, the very wellspring of life and action. Imagination carries with it feeling and conviction, which means that life and action is available. It awakens within us all the finer forces of nature. It stirs into action our latent powers, which otherwise would never come to fruition. At the very root of this whole matter, we find that the creative power of the universe does not create through our will, but rather through imagination, through visualization, through imaging, and through our feelings. This is stunning information. I, I hope you see the spiritual power in this. Uh, I'll, I'll use kind of an elaborate example if you wish. Many of you know that I've uh, been successfully in a 12-step program now for years and years and years. And I, and I got to tell you, it was not willpower that allowed me to stop my drinking, right? It was not my intellect. And I would say that for the many years I did drink, I could not imagine my life being better, right? I was stuck in a mold, of course, of my own creating, but nonetheless, I was stuck there. I couldn't imagine how I would get sober. I couldn't imagine what my life would be like. It was my lack of imagination, not my willpower, right? I had willpower for all kinds of things. But if you cannot imagine a better life, your willpower isn't going to help you. 
It isn't really your intellect. And I love the way he put it, right? There's nothing that you can take out of a bag that you haven't already put into it. If we can't visualize, if we can't sense a better life, we wouldn't even know it if it came our way. Our first job, I think, as metaphysicians is to actually use our imagination. Have you ever met someone that just said they didn't have any idea how to get somewhere in life? Uh, whether it's a, a new job, like you might say, they're complaining about their job, right? And so you say, well, what would you like in a new job? And they're just kind of clueless about it. They can tell you every wrong thing about the old one, all the things they don't like, but there is a simple lack of imagination for seeing themselves through it, seeing themselves on the other side of it. And I think that is what spells failure in our lives. If we want an improved relationship, we need to be able to imagine what it would be like. What does that level of love look like and feel like? If we want a better job or a better home or things like that, if we have no conception of it, It'll be like one of those things that sits right in front of you and you just look over the top of it. Do you know what I mean? Have we all had that encounter, the, the people that wander around the house looking for their glasses and they're right up here, right? It's that kind of thing. Those sorts of things happen to us all the time because it's out of our vision. And when something is out of our vision permanently, no matter how hard we pray, no matter how hard we resist what's going on right now, it isn't going to get any better. And it isn't because of our willpower. You know, back to diets for just a minute. The, the trouble with most of them is it's setting up some rigor, some act of will, either around the quantity of things we eat or the type of things that we eat or the, uh, the number of calories, or, or we reverse it a little bit and we, we try to put rigor and discipline, you know, our willpower then around upping our exercise or, or whatever it is. Well, the trouble with all these things is a lack of imagination. We're not imagining what our life and accepting what our life would be as fit and as healthy. And for many of us, of course, if we've been overweight all our lives, or if we've been an alcoholic our, our entire adult life, or if we've been in a terrible job our entire working years, well, naturally it's hard to imagine those things, right? We haven't had an experience of it yet. So, so don't be down on yourself at all. If, you, if you're having some trouble imagining something that you've never seen before, or tasted before, or felt before, of course, it makes sense. So how can we begin using this idea of imagination? Well, first of all, we can use the strength and the power of other people. And I gotta tell you, that's why AA is so effective for us alcoholics, right? You get to talk to people who have been through it. You get to talk to people who've had a good experience of being sober. They begin giving you clues about what it'll be like after you've been sober for a while. They'll, they'll talk about how some of their, their family experiences cleaned up after getting off the bottle. They'll talk about all kinds of things. And what does it do? It stirs your imagination. It gives you an actual thing that you can look forward to, right? Not the willpower, 
not the sense of cutting back or cutting off or, or whatever it is that our will would bring us, but instead it, it engages us about how good life could be with illustrations right in front of us, people who have done it before. That's why it's so successful when you maybe join a gym. It isn't that, that somehow your willpower will get you to go there, right? It's the joining and it's being with other people, it's having fun, and suddenly your imagination opens up and it's like, wow, Wow, this could actually be a fun thing to come to the gym three days a week because I'm in a class and I met some buddies there and right suddenly it's not anymore about the discipline of exercising three times a week it's the imagination of a whole new experience of of being alive and so it isn't really the discipline of exercise it's the enjoyment and social aspects of being with people and doing things and enjoying your body and things like that do you get the difference? Now, I have no idea why this was taken out of that earlier version of the Science of Mind textbook, but I'm here to tell you, this is actually one of the keys to moving forward in our spiritual evolution. And I want to use a, another example here, because imagination, of course, can take many forms. I just talked about using maybe the experience of others, right, through a 12-step program or through meeting up with people in the gym. That's one way of increasing your imagination. But why do you think it is that sometimes when you're in meditation or even asleep, the next morning you'll have an answer to a question that has bugged you for the longest time? It's because your imagination's been at work. Your imagination, right? Your crazy dreams or the, or the sweet consciousness of God talking to you in, in meditation, right? You're getting off of your own story and allowing that more free-flowing imagination of the universe to give you some new ideas, some new ways of, of looking at things. So, so both contemplation, imagination, and even a good night's sleep, believe it or not, are good spiritual principles. They can allow you to get outside of what's known and what you expect and engage your imagination. There's another real powerful one, though, that I'd like to introduce tonight. And in fact, we had a little bit of a taste of it during our meditation. I invited you all to engage your inner visualization techniques to imagine a, a safe and comforting space. Well, I want to read to you what Ernest Holmes says about this idea of visualization. And I think it will remind you of something else that Ernest Holmes talked about. Let's see if you think of it on your own or if I have to prompt you a little bit. He says, how to visualize. Visualizing means mentally seeing the things that you wish to have or to do. When you mentally see the things you desire and see them very clearly, you are presenting the universal mind with images of thought. And, like the creative soil of the ground, it is at once projecting things into form. If the thought image is clear, it will provide a good mold. If the thought image is imperfect, the mold may be a poor one. The first thing to do in this process is to decide what you wish to imagine into your mind. After having become composed in thought, begin to see the complete outcome of your desires in mental pictures. Suppose that you wish to demonstrate a new home. You should know just what kind of home you wish. 
Of course, if you know just what kind of a home, uh, excuse me, of course, if you simply thought of a house, you would get something. But the more definite the picture, the better the results will be. In order to make the picture complete, decide what kind of home it is. Then, in the silence of your own thought, mentally look into this house. Go from room to room, stopping here and there to look at furniture or pictures on the wall. Make the whole thing as real as you can, as far as possible. Enter the house, sit down, feel that you are actually living there, saying to yourself, I am now living in my new home. And then he goes on to say, here's your prescription, if you will. He says, do this every day until the house appears and use the same process in visualizing your life changing in any way. Now, those of you who've done a little studying of Ernest Holmes, what's he doing here? Do you remember? It's the mental equivalent, yeah. Have you ever had a better description here, edited out of the Science of Mind textbook, of how to build a mental equivalent? And you'll know he paid, notice he paid particular attention to how you felt in that home, that it was really yours, that you would examine it in your mind, feel that it was wholly yours, even claim it. You know, this is my new home now. And the reason for that is, when we engage our emotions, uh, with the visualization, it even makes a better mold, as he would say. It even has that greater creativity power. Now, emotion is an interesting thing, though. We say often that a prayer works when we claim what we want and we couple it with emotion. But I would put to you that sometimes we do this in kind of an odd way. And I've had a, a number of people come to me and say, well, this whole thing... This whole visualization, this whole prayer thing just doesn't work as well as I would like it to. And I say, well, well tell, me, tell me what your mental equivalent is. Tell me, tell me what this prayer is like. And they'll talk about something like, uh, well, I'm visualizing a house and it has three bedrooms. And, you know, this is the house that I have wanted my entire life. Since I was a child, I have really longed for this kind of a house. And it, they'll describe the house really carefully, and they'll, you'll get the feeling that in their mind they, they have walked through it and have a sense of exactly what it looks like, uh, exactly how it's set up. But you know what? You talk to them a little more, and the ultimate feeling is that longing. It isn't the acceptance. It isn't feeling like you live in the house. It's feeling like the person shown the house but said they could never afford it. It's like the, the feeling of longing or loss rather than the feeling of having. And so I want you, when you do visualization on your own, the most important piece of it is really feeling of acceptance as though this thing or this way of life or, or this new relationship or whatever, like you have it, not that you want it, right? Because the longing tends to bring more longing. And for your longingness, everything will always be a little bit at arm's length. Have you ever, have you ever known someone who finds it difficult to make a commitment to anything? <laughs> then you know exactly what I mean. It's like on the surface, they want to participate. They want to be your best friend. They want to be your boyfriend. They want to, I don't know, go on the vacation with you or whatever it is. So you, you get all the signals that it's on, and then you just get right up about this close, and then you realize, uh-oh. 
It's the longing syndrome. It's the, it's the everything is right, but can't quite claim it. And a person who has that, like back to that idea of going on the vacation, suddenly it'll be like, well, I don't have enough money, or my sister-in-law is getting married, or there will be any number of real reasons why then they can't go. Or if it's the, the boyfriend or the girlfriend, all of a sudden it'll be like, oh, well, they, they went from hot right to cold again. And the, and the idea is they like the idea of it, but they don't actually see themselves having it. So when we build this amazing mental equivalent, when we do our visualization, perhaps the most important part of it is, how do you feel in that new life? What does that new house feel like? What does the new relationship feel like? What does the new job feel like? It should feel like you love it and you already have it. I'm going to guide you in a, in a little bit of a visualization again, because I want to get a couple practices in. We did one practice a little earlier when we visualized a, a safe and beautiful space, and I, and I would invite you, if you would, to use that one. Next time that work is really crazy, next time you've had a, a fight with a loved one or whatever, pretend, just close your eyes, and imagine yourself back in that safe place again. And I think it will serve you well. And I've asked uh, Gary if he would come up, and we're, we're going to lead you in just another one, just to give you a little more practice. But again, pay particular attention to the feeling of it. So, so when we're doing it, this isn't an exercise of wanting it, but rather having it. Okay? So let's begin. I just invite you to rest easily in your chairs. Just sit comfortably. If you like, you can close your eyes. It's not necessary, but it might make it easier. And I'd like to start out by each of us picking something in our life that could be improved upon. Just something simple that you can see some progress made in it. So it might be a, a better job or, or, or more pay. It might be a nicer home. It might be a, an improved relationship. It might be some problem that's been eluding you and you'd like to see a, a resolution to it. If you would, just take a moment in your own mind to find some area in your life that you'd like to make some progress or an issue that you'd like to have cleared up. And we start by actually feeling this problem or this issue as it is right now. So if something isn't going quite right in your life or could be improved upon, I'd like to start you out by feeling just what that is like. So if it's heartache, feel the heartache. If it's frustration or lack, go ahead and feel those things. Sense that issue that's troubling you or that needs resolution. Just know that we can be guided through this. It is our connection to God that is our imagination, that is our ability to move forward. So feel with me just that disappointment or lack, whatever it is that you'd like to work on for just a moment. Notice how you feel. Notice the issue. Bring it into focus. Know that it can be changed. And once you have that image of the way things are, 
Let us imagine a time, maybe a few months from now, when this troublesome piece of your life has been completely healed. So whatever enhancement needs to be done has already been completed and you don't even know how it happened. The, the greater joy or greater love that you desire, it's suddenly yours two months from now. No need to know how it happened. But I do invite you now to sense it and feel it. So the problem's cleared up, the greater joy is yours, the relationship is mended, the new job is yours, the new house is yours, the marriage has been made, whatever it is that would make all the difference to you is yours now. And as we did before, I would like you to anchor it with your feelings. This is mine now, this experience, this happiness, this love, this joy. Sense of what a relief it is that this work has been accomplished. Sense the joy and, and feelings of success for something perhaps you have wanted for a very long time. What does it feel like to be healed or lifted up? What does it feel like to, to really be loved? Whatever it was that was in your mind before is now completely different. Just notice what you're feeling. Make it as real as you can, whether it's relief or joy or peace or love, outrageous abundance or delight. Does it bring a smile to your face? Do you weep with relief? How does the wholeness or the love feel? Is it freedom? Is it blissful peace? Feel the feelings, notice what's going on. Notice your new life. This is how we build a mental equivalent. Know that it's yours. No one can take it away from you. No one can take your imagination away from you. And we have developed a powerful mold that the universe will wish to fill. The stronger your emotion, the, the clearer in your own mind of what it will be like when, the better the mold, the more fruitful this process. When you have your mold built, when your sense of completion is truly at hand, just give yourself a blessing for using your imagination in this way. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Do you sense the power of this technique? Now, I don't know why it got taken out of this silly book, <laughs> but we just put it back in. And it can be one of your most, most powerful tools. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence. There is one life. There is one joy. There is one peace and happiness. There is but one of everything. It is God. It is Allah. It is the divine feminine, known by so many names, but it is 
but one. And on this day, I celebrate the one. I know that I'm part of it. I know that each person here has access to it. It is the, the divinity of all things that allows us to see beyond what we already know. It is our, our imagination that makes us divine. It is our ability to visualize something that we haven't had yet that creates the possibility for having it. This is what I know about the people in this room. Each of us, powerful, powerful creators, through our imagination, through our visualization, through our, our picturing of things as they will be. And I'm simply grateful for this, grateful to be in the power and the presence of God as it takes these many forms here in this room and beyond. And in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here. So glad you were here tonight. Thank you. Thank you.